Good morning. <laughs> Sorry, the transition was a little slow. Um, this is the third week of Advent. Jackie's lighting our third candle. This is um, the, like I say, the week of joy, joy week. I don't know how we say that. Um, I feel like I'm going to start maybe the same way that Brian started and Meg started. That This is like, it's so different to be like, okay, here you are, you're teaching on joy versus like, Acts, you know, chapter 10, whatever, where it feels really like your direction has been given to you. And so it feels a little, I don't know, it, it was hard preparing to know. There's a million directions. I read there's like 400 verses in the Bible that use the word joy. I was like, oh, cool. Okay, <laughs> we'll see how, you know, which direction to go with this. But I think uh, part of what makes the, the words we're using for the season of Advent difficult is because they are kind of like, less tangible, in a sense, than maybe other things that we read about and learn about, and there feels like this, uh, I don't know how to say it, like, we have to take these steps in order to experience joy or hope or peace. It's in, even though they're freely given, they're given to us and they're there, we have to kind of, I don't think work for it is the right way to put it, but sort of that idea that, like, it's, it's in our hands, too, to accept the gifts that have been given. And so I think with joy in particular, that there feels like a lot of pressure to, like, we sh- as believers, we should have joy, or we should have hope, or we should have peace. And so I guess today I kind of want to talk about, like, what about when we don't? And kind of go that direction a little. Um, so let me pray, and then we'll talk about that joy maybe is more complex than just you're either joyful or you're not. So let me pray for us and we'll talk a little. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for joy. Um, thank you for your, sending your son and for Christmas. And just pray that you guide my words as we talk this morning. Amen. So one of the things that I read kind of in preparing or thinking about this week was um, in a traditional like Advent wreath, there's depending on what faith tradition you grew up, there's three purple candles and a pink candle. And I never once thought why there's a pink candle, but I read about it this week and it's pretty interesting. So the other ones are purple. Same thing, like if you go to a church where the, the priests would wear purple robes during this time, that the purple sort of, it represents a lot of things, but represents royalty or like waiting for um, Christ to come, Prince of Peace. And purple can also um, kind of be about self-reflection, or not self-reflection, about like, Um, reflection or repentance, kind of waiting for um, Christ to come. And so I think in kind of past time in the church, they spent Advent much more focused on like the Advent part. Advent means coming, so more on the waiting. It was a lot more somber. It wasn't like huge, not that our church does, but you know, they decorate for Christmas and have all the wreaths up. That that doesn't really, I think, happen as much. And so Kind of what happened is like some priests got together and they're like, our people need something good to happen. <laughs> they need like a glimpse of what's to come. And so um, the third Sunday of Advent became called uh, Godet Sunday, which Godet means rejoice, I think, in Latin. And so the reason that the candle is pink is be- for the third Sunday, for the Joy Sunday, is that it's the purple candle combined with the white candle that comes later for to represent Christ. So it's the convergence of... Um, like con- convergence of the light coming into the darkness. And so uh, I thought that was really interesting. And I, I think 
it represents, and the joy, like, you know, this week of joy can represent, like, we're waiting for Christ's light to break, break into our world, bring the joy that feels so elusive. Um, and so I think as believers that we have the joy that we're, like, constantly looking for Christ to come. We're, like, looking for what's to come. And so I read a question, and this is kind of what I've been thinking about for this week, and it said, would we be so filled with joy at his arrival if we weren't so filled with longing already? I was wondering if anyone wanted to share in what ways you specifically feel like you long for joy or that like our world longs for joy or the church itself, anything like that, just kind of what longing for joy means. I mean, I think of times when people rejoice together um, <coughs> and I think that's why, like, it's crazy in my head, but like wedding dancing is super fun because no one's like, upset about things or like disappointed or angry it's just everyone's hopeful and enjoying someone else's story and they get to be a part of it and so they wedding dance and it's crazy and silly and fun and it lasts a long time and you sweat I mean it's ridiculous <laughs> like it's ridiculous the, the way it, the way it works and but everyone is usually very joyful in that moment and like that is like to me as joyful as things go sometimes it's like in community, dancing wildly together. It's pretty, it's pretty yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> else? I also kind of thought of it like when tragedy happens, when there's a shooting or something, and we're like, what is, you know, what is happening? Why? And people blame all these things, but really it is kind of a reminder that we're still in the longing, in the waiting for... Um, only joy, not sorrow, just only joy to come. So I think it can look like both parts. Anyone else have anything? I think when the, that reminds me of like after like Hurricane Harvey, you know, it, it was very tragic and a lot of destruction in a lot of people's lives. Um, but it was it was crazy to like listen to the, all these stories where people, you know, put themselves so low to like serve others, and you know we. You know, when I was there, it was, we met, like, so many people, like, from all over the nation that were just like, oh, yeah, we, like, anytime there's a natural disaster, we, we try to, like, come and send supplies, like, no matter where it is. And, like, there, there's, like, just, like, small organizations that do that with, like, 10 people. It, it just blew my mind that the amount of, like, joy that could come from, like, great, such great sadness and, and, you know, mankind coming together. Yeah. In Romans chapter 8, I think we have this verse. I know it's nice to follow along. Uh, starting in verse 18, we're, we're going to read a few different passages, so if you want to look or follow along, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not, not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. I wasn't going to use this verse originally, but I just I kept thinking about that image of like the whole world, uh, whole creation groaning together in the pains of childbirth. And I think that that sort of, it's like kind of intense picture of our world and 
yeah, the, the picture of groaning just, it makes me think of like longing. We're like, there has to be something better than this. And um, so I think, as every year we say, I was reading over like the reflection I wrote last year and how like, sad it was about what 2017 had been like. And then I think 2018, um, in our world, but in our church, really has been, there's been a lot of job loss and illness, had um, deaths and just a lot of sadness. And I think even those of us who, like, on paper, it's looked like a kind of a good year, there's still um, loneliness and heartache and just, like, kind of drudgery of, like, what am I, what is this life that, you know, we're living? And so I think that um, as believers, it's like we still have this little piece of us, even on those hard days, that's like we're still longing for something more. Um, We long to change in our world. We long for change in our world and for things to be made right. And so I think through those hard things, this has been a hard year for our family, through those things, I'm learning and really believing that joy can be made so much more richer and deeper through those times. So I was going to read another verse. This is from John 16. And it starts, Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. We have that. And then the next few verses are kind of weird and hard to read out loud because the disciples are like, what? In a little while? Did he just say in a little while? And Jesus is like, I just said in a little while. And then again, the disciples are like, so I kind of just picture it's like the disciples are all talking on top of each other. And Jesus, finally, so finally in um, verse 20, Jesus says, okay, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish, for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will be asking nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. And now, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. And so... So many of the scriptures that I kept thinking about and this longing, they, like, they talk about childbirth. And um, I think it's kind of impossible to not talk about that at this time of year, too, um, because of the like, crux of everything at Christmas is this baby who's both God and human coming into the world. And so I had, um, I guess, yeah, like in picturing Mary during the time, and I know it's been said a lot, but just the idea of like her in her ninth month of pregnancy, like riding on a donkey, delivering in a stable, just all of the pieces for it. Um, it's like, I think she has to have understood longing and Advent way better than we can ever imagine. Like she, she is like growing this baby within her and like growing God with us in her um, in her womb, and it's so beautiful, and, and, but it's both, because she's uncomfortable, and she's expecting and waiting, and there's so much struggle at the end of pregnancy, but she was also believing. And so I had read a neat thing, or a funny thing, about if more women were preaching at Christmas time, or just generally, we would have just a lot more talk about maybe the realities of childbirth during, um, during the Advent season, because I think, you know, there, like... Like the uh, Away in a Manger always kills me because it's like the words say 
um, something like little, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And I'm thinking like, that's a new baby. He needs to cry. He needs to like get that whatever it might be in his lungs like out of there. And so I think like remembering that birth is like, it's messy and hard and exhausting and allows us to see God or Jesus as a human. And it brings the humanity of, of Christ to us. And so I think just like, I'm, you know, mostly agree with Jesus' words about, it's like how (laughs) when it's like the woman's hour has come, she is experiencing sorrow because birth is hard. But then, you know, it says she forgets after. I'm not going to say for me that I've totally forgotten what childbirth is like, (laughs) but you see, especially, you know, especially now when we have so many choices regarding how many children and when to get pregnant, all those things, you see that like women keep coming back and having more kids so (laughs) You know, surely they haven't been totally, you know what I'm trying to say. And so, and so I think this is what's beautiful. So there's this moment um, after a baby is born. And it's not like, oh, the baby comes out and you're like feeling good. You still have more contractions because there's more stuff that needs to be birthed. And so you're holding this new baby. Maybe like the umbilical cord is still connected or there's all kinds of stuff going on and there's people all around you trying to help, but you're holding this new baby. And so what you have side by side is pain and hardship and like sorrow. I mean, that feels extreme to say it, but yeah, that's still happening. But then you're like holding joy and you have this baby that's yours, that you worked really hard to bring into the world, but it's like beautiful and tiny and and perfect. And so I think it's just this just completely beautiful image. We can picture Mary doing the same thing, even with, like, animals looking at her versus doctors and midwives. But, like, the same scene is her still in the sorrow of the world, but she's holding God. She's holding um, the Christ child. And so Jesus doesn't say that as believers we won't have sorrow. Um, He says that we'll have sorrow and joy, but that we can hold on to a day when only the joy remains. And so I think... um, Even among the joyfulness of the season, sometimes it's just really hard to find that joy. And for some reason, at Christmas, it sometimes even feels harder when it should feel easier. And something that really struck me as beautiful is I I read something that really encouraged encouraged me that just by being here, like together in community today, that we're proclaiming what joy means. By being here, we proclaim that Jesus is the light of the world and that even among the sorrow and pain, Some part of us believes it doesn't have to be that way. We believe that light will always overcome the darkness. Believe that light has come and will come again. And I think it's like even on the days when we like can't muster the faith or the joy or hope or peace, that there's like this part of us that we always can hold onto as believers that there's like just this like glimmer of it sometimes, even when it don't, we don't know how to experience the fullness of joy or the fullness. And one of my favorite authors, um, her name's Shauna Nyquist, she, she writes about something called the thin places. And what she describes a thin place is places where the boundary between the divine world and the human world become almost non-existent. So these can kind of be, it could be like a physical place, mountains, or something beautiful. It can be just like a feeling or a circumstance, like holding that new baby or, or whatever that is, um, a state of being, just like something comes over you or, or music. 
but what is it like a shimmer of God's presence? And I, I was thinking a lot in terms of joy and how on the days when it's really hard to find joy, that um, I think there's always those little shimmers, even if it's like your hardest day and someone like delivers cookies to your house. You know, it's like those moments where um, you would see that shimmer of God's presence. And so I would love, like as the psalm says, for us to say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so if anyone has something that they would maybe want to share, um, something we could call it a thin place, or it could be a thick place, I suppose. But um, places you've experienced joy this year, I would love for someone to share. And it could be something really small. Like the first thing I thought of was baby Lucia and her hat last week. And how I like, I thought about it all week. And it was like, like the pom-poms were almost the size of her. Just everything was wonderful. So it could be that. It could be, you know, yesterday we had our women's brunch. And I was so touched at how many needs there. I mean, I think we could have talked for an hour. We did, maybe, just about all the people we knew who had needs, and not, not, that, not that it was um, <coughs> beautiful that there were all these needs, but what was beautiful is that everyone knew. We like, knew what was happening with the people around us and knew um, who needed money and love and cards in the mail and all those things. So anyone wants to share, this is a good time. I really like when sunlight comes through the blinds in the living room. Quiet. It doesn't happen a lot when I'm up for everybody else. We're usually all sort of up chaotically. But, uh, it's just a special, just a special moment to be quiet and to, to think about not having to do anything and that I'm just loved by God.
think lately it's been fun for our kids to like get a sense of humor and be really funny on purpose too. Like, to, like try to tell a joke, you know, and ruin it and try again and like be hilarious. And Lily and I noticed more and more lately at our house we're just laughing really loudly. And that is so that has been so good in the midst of again chaos or craziness or just tired or whatever and like for one of them to do something individually funny. Sounds so ridiculous, like of course they do funny things, but it's so fun to laugh with and at them. It's been good for us. So just laugh really loud. It's been fun. That's good. That's how after kind of writing this and I was like planning to have this part at the end. Last night Brian was saying he was gonna um, play piano and he's like, or maybe I'll take the electric guitar and I was like, oh could you do like Trans-Siberian Orchestra, like, surprise Jonah <laughs> on, on the song. Anyway, and then we, like, you know, lots of jokes that would not be funny to keep on sharing, like, had a good time laughing about it. And, I, and in my head, I was like, this is joy. This is it. I was like, this is a thin play. You know, it was, like, kind of, like, overthinking all the things. But he didn't do it. Maybe next year. Maybe next week. Yeah. Come back. <laughs> I'm remembering um, a moment at my wedding where... Um, Pretty much during the ceremony, I was walking down the aisle, and um, the sun was shining, and it was like a golden moment. And all the stress of planning the wedding was gone because it was happening, and there I was surrounded by all the important people in my life, and then I was looking at Matt down at the end of the aisle, and just this beautiful setting, and it just was so joyful and so peaceful, and it just was so still. I wasn't hearing anything, it just was, I don't know. It's like when people, I don't know, talk about love, it's, it's for me, it's the, the tiny moments in, in my lives of like, where you can easily overlook things. And for me, one of the most joyful things that I have with Allison is like just the excitement to get in bed and to read and then and just be absolutely absolutely like silly for no reason and, and it's so disarming uh, even when we were like, having arguments just ten minutes before <laughs> uh, it's just um, yeah I think that's that's like one of the most joyful things in my life. John 1, verses 3 through 5 says, All things were made through him. With him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, some, I think Methodist churches a lot have a service that's around the time of the solstice. It's called sometimes a blue Christmas service or darkest night service. And it's a time for people who are like, I don't want anything to do with singing Joy to the World." So I'm going to come and um, be in my loneliness with other people or my sadness and like allow there to be space for that, which I think is so important. And so um, in a minute, I'm going to read a prayer. Hopefully one day I'll give, I'll teach and not just like quote all the people that I love, but that's where we're still there. That's okay. But I'm going to read something from Sarah Bessie, who I almost always read from. And this is sort of edited down. It's really long, but if you want me to send you the longer 
piece that she's written, I can do that. You can just let me know. But um, so then after that, we'll go straight into communion. And just a reminder that um, communion is for anyone. It's for you if you are, um, you know, having joy and sorrow at the same time, or if you're only having sorrow, or if earlier when I was like, we're here because some part of us believes, even if you're like, no lady, no part of me believes, and then communion is still for who, whoever feels um, called to partake. Um, if you'll bow your heads, this can be a prayer or kind of like a meditation, just something to think on as, um, as we end. I pray that God would be near to you, a strength to you. I pray for comfort. I pray for a friend who knows, a friend who sits with you, a friend who doesn't try to cheer you up. I pray for endurance in your heart and in your mind and in your soul and in your strength. I pray for perseverance beyond what you think you can bear. I pray for comfort. I pray for warmth in your home. May your voice crack with tears when you sing anyway how there is a thrill of hope The weary world rejoices because you are longing for a bit of rejoicing. May you fall asleep humming good songs of hope. I see you trying to sing in your sorrow, and I think it's one of the bravest things I've ever seen. I pray for courage. No one ever told us how much courage it takes to have a broken heart, did they? No one told us how brave we would have to be to simply carry on. And yet here you are. I pray for courage to rise up in you so that you can get up out of bed for another day and do what you need to do to carry on. I pray for you to find the intimacy of the Holy Spirit in these days. I've often found that it's in the wilderness and in the darkness and in the loneliness that the Spirit draws near. I pray for peace in you and through you and about you. I pray for glimmers of reconciliation. I pray for God to be near you in ways you never could have expected. I pray that this will give birth to a great compassion in you, a love for our suffering world like you've never known. I know there is something for which you cannot even pray. There is no faith left in you. I pray for that unnamed thing too. I have a bit of faith and you can have it. I pray for real reciprocity of relationship, that for you, that for everything you receive, you are able to give someday. I pray for the prayers of children to be spoken over you. I pray for the love and joy and peace and hope of Advent to be yours. Maybe this isn't your season for celebration, but the good news is that Advent and even Christmas isn't just for the ones who feel happiness. It's also for the ones who are afraid and wondering, who are refugees and who are brokenhearted. You, as you are right now, were written into the story from the beginning, and you have a place here. You belong at this Christmas table. And I dare to pray for joy for you. I pray that everything you are sowing in grief, you will reap in joy. It will be a different sort of joy. We both know that. There is the uncomplicated joy of those who haven't suffered, and then there is the joy that is born of suffering the joy that is deeper for the loss that preceded, the joy that is in seeing redemption and yet knowing the scars you bear from the wounds are beautiful to those with eyes to see. And may the light break through the darkness to warm you and guide you somehow. We have turned towards the sun now. The days will imperceptibly grow longer again. We won't be able to notice the amount it changes over, the moment it changes over. But now we know that we're spinning towards, one day at a time, one morning, probably sooner than we know, we will take up to that long day of light.